Welcome to Cultivating Second Chair Leaders, conversations about living out servant leadership in the second chair. My name is Emily Phoenix, and I'm a second chair leader. I serve as the new programming coordinator for the Karpanko Institute for Nurturing and Developing Leadership Excellence, also known as Kendall. This is an organization that resources and supports second chair leaders to enhance the ministry of congregations in their communities and the world. I've been a second chair leader my whole career. I've learned to love the role and understand that God has called me to it, even when I've experienced challenges. We can move forward with purpose when we understand our roles on a team and as part of a family, community, company, or organization. I want that for my own calling, and I hope to help you in yours with the guests we bring into conversation in each episode. This season, we will explore spirit-led practices that unite people for service to Christ and the world. When we invest in building the community, identifying common vision, promoting communication, managing anxiety and conflict, and nurturing collaboration, we flourish in Christian community as God desires for us. On this episode of Cultivating Second Chair Leaders, we look at the practice of identify common vision, which means to facilitate groups as they discover their common mission and vision. Our guest today, Krista Young, shares how, regardless of cultural context, relationships and trust are the key elements to creating partnerships that move forward with a common vision. Our guest today is Krista Young. Krista's name is a shortened version of Kristen. Krista was born and raised in the country of Papua New Guinea, where her name is pronounced Christian in the pidgin language and means follower of Christ. Married to Joel, they have two children who are working on their undergraduate degrees. Krista has been blessed to share her gifts as a director of Christian education and as a missionary in East Africa before joining the LCMS Mission Advancement Team. Krista's family recently moved to the mountains of North Carolina and hope to become avid hikers. Welcome, Krista. Thanks for joining me today. (laughs) Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Awesome. Okay, so uh, in season four of our podcast, the overall theme is about community. So we're going to take a look at the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer um, from his book, Life Together. He says, quote, It is not simply to be taken for granted that the Christian has the privilege of living among other Christians. So Bonhoeffer notes that community is a gift for us as believers, especially considering how Jesus lived in the midst of enemies and was deserted before his death. So as you think about living in a Christ-like manner, what does this quote and the life of Jesus say to you about that gift of community? The concept of community is something I didn't fully understand when I was younger. You know, I read Bonhoeffer's book, you know, in college, and I was like, yeah, community is important. We're built for community. But living in East Africa has a whole different concept of community that is so much richer and deeper than I ever recognized here in the United States. And so I've come to really fully understand or much more fully understand that gift of community and that and what it means to be walking with people in our faith walk and in our day-to-day life and things. And so that quote has become so much more meaningful for me at after experiencing that. Awesome. 
Thank you for sharing that. Another quote that we're talking about this season comes from Kendall's um, Kendalling the Heart devotional. And it says, Christian communities are places where truth is spoken and heard. Competent work is done. Love is genuinely shared and gratitude to God overflows. What resonates with you in that quote related to your own experience in Christian community? Well, again, I'm going to reference life as a missionary because I was a part of a Bible study, a women's Bible study group. When the only things you have in common with someone are your faith um, and their language is different and their culture is different, but your faith brings you together. Um, I was a part of this group that I have never shared so deeply or heard women share so deeply and speak so truthfully about their struggles and their joys and and just recognizing that we're in this together. I don't have family around, so who am I going to celebrate Thanksgiving with? Or who am I going to, you know, even explain Thanksgiving to my East African friends or whatever? But this concept of of speaking truth um, to one another was just so powerful. We met weekly and based around God's word, but there were times when you had to look at someone and say, I don't think you're listening as carefully or, and this group of women could do that for me and for one another. And it was just really, really powerful. It has ruined me now for other Bible study groups because because I don't want to overshare because I mean, that was three or four years of deep, you know, deep sharing. So Mm. yeah. Well, I mean, what a wonderful experience to bring back to Mm -hmm. the U S where we aren't always uh so open and willing to share in those spaces but the reality is that like god created community to be yeah for us to be vulnerable for it to be authentic and genuine for us to be able to share our life you know Mm -hmm. and share what what's going on in our lives and so i understand that like don't over over share thing (laughs) um but at the same time challenging people to really connect and really listen Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. be able to kind of share themselves. So I think that. Well, and when you do that, I feel like you're able to see, like when someone truly shares a prayer request and the group is praying like diligently for that, you're able to see God answer those prayers in like Mm -hmm. really specific ways. And instead of just like a general pray for my family, you know, pray for my son for this and this and this and this and this. And then God, answers that prayer. And as a group, you're able to go, wow, you know, it just, Mm -hmm. it was powerful stuff. But if we're not that specific, I often feel like, yeah, 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 I got, you know, we're praying, but we don't often recognize that it's been, you know, how it's been answered or how he, he has handled that. I was leading an online Bible study for the last couple of years and we would specifically pray for each other. And I found myself, first of all, like thinking about and praying about those specific things in between our meetings. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, especially if I was able to write it down at the next meeting, asking those questions, right, of those people and really being in community and not just being so focused on, are we going to get the Bible study done or not sort of Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So as we look at the life of Jesus um, and the way he uh, led his disciples, specifically today are looking at the practice, the Kindle practice, identify common vision which means to facilitate groups as they discover their common mission and vision. How did you see Jesus do that? How do we see Jesus do that in the Bible? Well, I I love how he just sort of 
hangs with his people and walks, you know, we, I use the language walks, walking along together a lot. And, and as you're hanging out, what are the things we're talking about? You know, we're having dinner, we're walking to the next city or town where the in between the, the large group things, he's just sharing his heart and, you know, giving examples and telling stories and, and they're soaking it up. And I think, um, it's life together, right? I mean, yeah, first book. And, and as we do life together, um, you can't help, but share, you know, what's, what you're passionate about. And so, so it kind of goes back to community in terms of like, we live such busy lives, who are we spending time with and, yeah. and how are we, you know, how are we imparting any sense of stories or values or whatever, if we're not walking together with them. So go for a walk. That's my, no, I'm kidding. Go for a walk. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you like what I heard you saying though, is like, it's more than just the Sunday morning. It's more than just the events or whatever. I mean, typically when you show up at church for worship or sometimes event, you see people at their best or whatever, or they've put the mask on and are, are just mm-hmm. trying to be there and mm-hmm. check it off their list and, and go on sort of thing. But the, the power is in those relationships. So like all of the people, the disciples that followed Jesus, like literally to like, he was trying to pray alone with God and Hey, Jesus, like, like tapped on his shoulder, <laughs> bugging him. <laughs> so like they, you know, Jesus wasn't always, they didn't always see him quote unquote at, at his best or on or like whatever mm-hmm. preaching mm-hmm. and teaching. And so I, I do think that is a, a important way to look at how we discover mission and vision as a community is mm-hmm. like just being together in the in-between. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and people say a lot of times how Jesus meets us where we're at. And I think as a church, how do we do that with people who are maybe living on the fringes? And mm-hmm. are we more concerned about being correct and right? Or are we more concerned about the relationship and getting to the truth in due time when they ask for it or whatever? And I'm not saying we don't speak the truth, but but when? When do we speak the truth and how do we speak the truth and how are we meeting people where they're at in a place that makes the church feel like a welcoming place and a safe place for, for everybody. So, right. And a lot of those conversations with people on the fringes don't happen at church, (laughs) don't happen in worship, right? They happen outside that building and outside Mm -hmm. that space. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's uh, really important to think about as we think about, identify common vision, it addresses the problem of helping groups move in the same direction. So how has your understanding of this practice helped you in your role as a Christ-like servant leader serving in the second chair? The first thing, I think of a couple different examples. Um, And the first thing is in my current position, working with congregations who want to um, support a missionary or do something with disaster response. And so giving them the information and then um, sharing stories with them helps them get excited about what's going on. And then they sort of tend to align. Everybody has different ideas, but you can just kind of see the group slowly like, oh yeah, that's what we, that's exactly what we've been saying. And as a group, they might decide to give a little bit more sacrificially or, you know, or do something above and beyond. And that's a really powerful example of just God kind of working in their midst and, and having the same, the same vision and the same understanding. 
A different example of that would be when I worked as a missionary, as a volunteer coordinator, I was often helping Americans bridge the culture gap and, and recognize, you know, there's all sorts of books about like when helping hurts and toxic charity and ways to do mission work, um, with dignity for the, for the local people, but then also helping the local pastors and bishops and church leaders identify what they have to share with the Americans. So Mm. if it's truly a partnership, right, we're all, we're all teachable. We all have something to learn from one another. And so it's not just one group coming and teaching the other group, but it's recognizing that we're all listening. We're all learning together and everybody has different gifts that they bring to the table, the body of believers. And so um, empowering the the East African churches to kind of say, yeah, there are things we can teach, especially like about community and living to, you know, living with one another and and joy and, you know, different things like that. So yeah, it was pretty powerful to see when they caught it on both sides, like a group from America would be like, Oh yeah. So it's really powerful. Well, and I do think that's so important. I mean, as somebody who has, traveled internationally on mission trips uh, I do think we we get so excited about what we're going to bring and one of the things that we always receive is like the culture but there's more right there's more they are doing the work of Jesus in the place that they are living and they want to teach us and I think that's really a valuable uh, piece to remember and sometimes they're doing it better than we are <laughs> yes <laughs> No, that is very true. I think uh, humility is a a super important part of the process as well. Yeah. So you kind of have mentioned uh, your work internationally. Obviously, you've worked nationally and locally, too. So what are some similarities and differences between helping groups in those different kind of uh, regions? I think recognizing that people all have the same basic needs to be heard and to, sh- to have information. And so um, I can think of several examples when maybe somebody was a little difficult and maybe not jumping on board right away. And so what is it that's driving that inside of them? Is it fear? Is it, you know, is it competition? Are they having the chance again to sort of sit with somebody and really listen and ask some questions? And sometimes I think even in a group, you might need to break into smaller groups to kind of help people have the opportunity to process and process a little bit because some people are just going to jump on board because that's what the pastor says or that's where the church is going and that's what we're doing. So woohoo! But other people are going to need more information. They might need more statistics or details. And I think being patient with, with the different types of folks is really important. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, I would kind of probably get a little frustrated with people that didn't catch my vision right away. And I wanted to like jump and go, come on people. What's wrong with you? I think as I've gotten older and I recognize like people process differently and even my husband's a, you know, inside processor and I'm an out loud processor. So we've learned how to give him time to sort his thoughts. But I think if we don't take the time as leaders and we don't have that relationship of trust, then I think you could have the very, very best idea, but it's not going to, it's not going to have momentum because people don't trust that or they don't trust you. And so it kind of goes back to the relationship and spending time together and hearing them and, and asking about, you know, where they're at and why, and, and then respecting that too. I like what you said about 
even if you have cast a vision, it doesn't mean that's the vision that's going to happen, right? When you identify common vision, that requires listening, that requires, you know, collaborations, collaboration, right? You have to give something time. And I mean, Mm -hmm. we as Americans are not great at giving things time. um, But I'm imagining that maybe in your international experience, Mm -hmm. you maybe got to see the better ways (laughs) that people use their time. Share a story you have about helping a group identify mission and vision. What was the process like? What was the outcome? And how were you encouraged? As a volunteer coordinator, we had a team that would come over and um, they were agricultural consultants. And so they would, it was always interesting because in my mind, I thought, well, these were farmers from America. They have this information. They're going to go to East Africa and they're going to share the information. But that's how it works if you don't understand culture and you don't understand humanity and whatever. And so seeing um, and working with this group of men and women and the one couple in particular had lived in West Africa. And so they were sort of the team mentors and watching them sit with the congregations in very, very, very rural areas and asking about, you know, tell me about how you clear the field. Tell me about, you know, burning versus slashing. Tell me about, you know, the, ch- the challenges you've had. And that was the first half of the day. And as an American, you're kind of like, God, they're not getting through any of the curriculum. They're supposed to be <laughs> right. Cause task, 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 yes. task, task, but recognizing that they were earning trust, they were listening, they were so that the information they shared when they did share was the right information. And it wasn't about how to, how my farm in Minnesota has such great, you know, whatever, whatever. It was about information that was going to apply immediately locally for these people. And the people were receptive to it because they recognized these guys weren't coming in as experts. They were coming in as partners and friends Mm -hmm. and just really, just really watching that process. And then, and then going back to some of those same places, you know, a couple years later and hearing stories and seeing someone say, look at my group, look at my corn stalks, look how high I did this and this and this, like you told me and look how much better it is. And um, I can feed my family now and I can, you know, earn some extra money or whatever. But the shift in the mentality between, you know, like I have something to share versus um, we're in this together and yes. tell me something you've learned about how it works here because I'm not the expert for here. I'm, you know, I'm the expert for over there, but I can tell you some things I've learned, you know, the hard way. And then, you know, and kind of fitting that together and seeing God just sort of move in that community. Um, it was really powerful and really fun to see a shared vision of, we want to, you to be able to feed your family and, right. you know, get the best crops, you know, for your money or whatever. But if we came in with like, here's the fertilizer, here's the da da da, none of that would work there. So right. it was it was really cool. It is important for us to share our own experiences, but as we first hear the experience of those we're trying to help, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not about like coming in and sharing your story and like you said, directing them. This is what you do. It's about coming in and listening and like hearing a story and being able to relate to it in a way that sort of helps the the mission and the vision move forward. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think even here, um, I'm a chatter, I'm a chatty person. And so I can be tempted to be thinking of the next story I want to share 
right? right. Like, oh, oh, that's, oh, 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 you know, and I can interrupt and jump in and tell them my experience. But then am I really listening and hearing their experience? And so just as God's people, how do we honor somebody's story and, and really listen um, without thinking our story is going to be better or whatever. So that's been a lifelong learning process for me. So still on that journey, it's kind of cool. Our final question is just what encouragement most of our listening audience are second chair leaders, whether they're serving at home, uh, in a workplace, com- uh, you know, church or community uh, setting. Obviously, we're, we are all Christ-like servant leaders. But what encouragement would you give to others about what you've learned in pursuit of servant leadership, identify common vision, those sorts of things in your own life? A hard lesson for me was to realize that it takes time. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Mm -hmm. And one day or one step at a time. You know, there's a popular movie years ago called What About Bob? And the, Mm -hmm. you know, the philosophy is like baby step, baby step my way, you know, through whatever challenges there are. But there's some, there's some wisdom in that, you know, you can't necessarily jump from zero to 60, you know, or whatever. There's going to take some, some time and maybe even some setbacks. And so the second thing would be, first, it takes time. And the second thing is our identity is a baptized child of God. As a people pleaser um, in ministry, that can sometimes be hard to remember. Um, mm-hmm. But remembering my baptismal identity and who I am and whose I am then impacts the confidence that I have or the the level of no I, I really believe this is where God is calling a you know calling me to respond in this way it might not make everybody it might not make me the most popular you know walking in that faithfulness um, in my relationship with God I think has grown and especially just as you're waiting you're waiting like how much longer, God, are you going to, you know, there's all sorts of passages, but in the midst of that waiting, I believe God is, is working on us and challenging us and shaping and molding and reminding us who we are. So I think that's really um, been a fun journey and fun isn't probably the right word because it's not always fun. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes things don't go our way, but stay the course and, and remember who we are. And I think that, you know, we are fearfully, wonderfully made, and and that is who I am and what I do, not to make Mrs. Smith or whoever um, like me the most. So Right. Okay, well, we're going to wrap up our time together uh, by sharing a Bible passage as our closing prayer. And Krista, you're going to read it um, in the ESV for us. It's Romans chapter 15, um, 5 through 7. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Amen. Thanks, Krista. Amen. Thank you. We thank you for listening to this episode. Check out the show notes for links to what was discussed. What's your next step as a Christ-like servant leader in the second chair? We would love to hear from you. Share with us by tagging or sending a message to at Kindle underscore social on Instagram or searching Kindle Servant Leaders on Facebook. You can also send an email to emily at kindleserventleaders.org and we may share your story in the future. If you liked what you heard today, share this episode on your social media platforms and leave us a review. As we support and share encouragement with you, 
we want to spread the word and share this podcast with all types of leaders. The music you heard in today's episode was performed by Brad Sturtz, who serves as music director at Peace Lutheran Church in Lombard, Illinois. We thank Brad for sharing this gift with us. This podcast is made possible by Kendall, an incarnational ministry that encourages, prepares, and supports a growing number of God's people as they live out their baptismal calling to be Christ-like servant leaders in their congregations, homes, workplaces, communities, and the world. To learn more about the organization and support our work, go to kindleservantleaders.org.